Hey folks, we're still learning more about the horrific police killing of Tyree Nichols. Last week, the city of Memphis released video footage from the incident, which shows officers violently beating Nichols during a traffic stop, which led to his death. A grand jury indicted five of the former officers on charges of second-degree murder, aggravated kidnapping, and official misconduct. The Department of Justice is also investigating. In other news, the Manhattan DA is reportedly starting to present evidence to a grand jury relating to Donald Trump's alleged involvement in a hush money payment to Stormy Daniels. And classified documents were found at former Vice President Mike Pence's home in Indiana. Joyce Vance and I discuss all of this and more on the Cafe Insider podcast. Today, we're sharing a clip from the episode with listeners of Stay Tuned. To hear our full conversation and access all other Cafe Insider content, try the membership for just $1 for one month. You can do that at cafe.com slash insider. That's cafe.com slash insider. We look forward to having you as a part of the insider community. So also in the news, Joyce, we've been talking, you and I and others, for the last number of days about yet another victim of police brutality. This one disgusting, like some of the ones we've seen before. Some say reminiscent of George Floyd. Some say reminiscent of Rodney King from a few decades ago. In Memphis, Tennessee, Tyree Nichols, beaten by five officers. He sustained fatal injuries and succumbed to those injuries. I have a number of questions for you. First, we should go through what what happened in the case, what the response has been. The traffic stop occurred on January 7th. We're recording this now on January 31st. Those officers have been fired. Those officers have been charged with second-degree murder. What do you make of this incident? Well, that's fast. It's really fast. And there's a lot of talk about why that is. I think part of it is that you've got a police chief who is someone who considers herself to be a criminal justice reformer, who, who believes in holding the line on this kind of misconduct. So she was hardwired to act quickly. And then the second part of the equation here is the videotape, not just one videotape, multiple body cams, right, other angles. And that's something that you worry about as a prosecutor. If you've got tape from one angle, you might only be getting part of the story. Here it's from multiple angles, and it's enormously painful. It's it's horrible when violent crime takes the life of a human being. It is so much infinitely worse when it's police officers who are sworn to protect who do it. Here it's all on videotape. Federal investigation will take longer and for good reasons, but motive is not part of a state case for second-degree murder. You have to prove knowledge. This is a, a knowing murder provision under Tennessee state law. No need to prove motive, and, and they made a decision that the case was ready to go and indicted. Let's talk about the reason for the stop. This is a traffic stop based on an allegation that Tyree Nichols was engaged in reckless driving. And I talked about this a little bit in my NYU class this week. There are various bases for conducting a further inquiry or for doing a stop, running a red light, hitting something on the side of the road. Reckless driving, what do you think of the vagueness of that? And whether or not, as people have been asking, armed police officers, particularly armed police officers with a particular anti-crime mandate, a group called Scorpion, whether they should be in the business of stopping people for reckless driving. In Alabama, we call this the crime of driving while black. 
It is a stop made, often on a pretextual sort of a traffic situation. Look, there can be good traffic stops and there can be bad traffic stops. The question you're asking is why a group called the Scorpions is making traffic stops at all. Shouldn't they be out looking at more serious crime? And I think that's, you know, maybe something that we will learn more about as DOJ does what inevitably is going to be a pattern and practice investigation into how this police department conducted itself. But here, there is a lot that suggests that the stop was pretextual, that there never was a good stop here. And even if there was, at some point it became a bad stop when he was detained without anything that even resembled probable cause. Can we talk about body cams for a moment? There has, over time, been controversy about their use Many police groups and and union groups, I think, historically have been opposed to them. And it seems to me there's two purposes to the body cams. One is so there's a record of what happened, and we can see whether a stop or taking someone into custody was done legitimately and appropriately, or was it a violation of someone's civil rights. But it's not just for truth and accounting after the fact, in my mind. It's also a deterrent. So if you know your body cam is on, and you know the other officer's body cams are on, You don't engage in bad behavior and bad conduct because it will be found out. And one of the shocking things here is these officers all knew their body cams were on, and yet they murdered this young man anyway. And part of it is maybe, you know, one of the most damning videos is from a a poll camera that the officers maybe didn't know about. But still, isn't that rather shocking to you? It is really shocking. And and I'm interested to learn more details here. For one thing, it's not clear to me that all of the officers activated their body cameras. I think I've seen indication that at least two of them did, but there are at a minimum five officers involved here. I think your point is an important one. There has been a lot of resistance to body camera. And, and I'm sure you'll recall, Preet, when we were U.S. attorneys, this was a live issue. The Office of Justice Programs was doing grant funding to help predominantly large city police departments obtain body camera equipment because the equipment itself is reasonably expensive, but what becomes really expensive over time is storage for all of the video. So that can add up. And DOJ was aggressively involved there. One of the big sells to the police department was This is the best evidence that protects your officers if they're accused of wrongdoing when they behaved appropriately. So, yes, it's cumbersome. Yes, it's, you know, it adds additional stuff to what they're wearing. There's a lot of dispute over the idea that police officers control when the body camera is turned on and when it's turned off. It's an imperfect mechanism. But you would hope that it would play a role in keeping You know, I I know the charge here is second-degree murder, not first-degree murder, but this looks awfully close to an intentional homicide to me. We should talk a little bit about what the camera shows and what the evidence reveals so far. Tyree Nichols was stopped. He then fled. He ran. He was grabbed. And then the videos show, over the course of a, a good period of time, Tyree was incapacitated. He was restrained. And yet he kept getting hit beaten and punched by the officers. Jump ahead to the defense in this case, if there ends up being one or more trials. What is a defense lawyer going to say is the reason why a restrained suspect is being beaten? Good luck with that, right? I think that that's why we saw charges happen so quickly here. This is going to be a tough case to defend. We said also there were at least five officers involved. 
because it's so quick, there's other developing information. There's a question about whether or not medical personnel, EMTs, acted with sufficient haste. There's evidence to suggest that many, many minutes went by while Tyree was hurt and unattended to. You think there may be charges there? And I think there's some other folks who have been suspended. It's, it might be surprising to people that for a simple traffic stop, you have so many officers involved. Right. There are sheriff's deputies, obviously there are fire department emergency workers who were called to the scene because of his injuries. There are a lot of people floating around at this scene. And I think what's really remarkable is nobody said, you know, this gentleman is critically injured. We need to get help for him immediately. And I think ultimately that failure to render aid may, I'm not sure of precisely how Tennessee law breaks out, it it may lead to some additional state charges. We know that there's a also a federal investigation looming in the background. You know, there, there's various comparisons that are being drawn from other cases to this case. There's one way in which this reminds me of George Floyd. And it's the original statement made by the police in Minneapolis, you saw, they had a very anodyne, full of omissions statement about what happened to George Floyd. And here, I don't know if you saw this, the January 8th Memphis police statement reads, and I'll read some or all of it. Tell me if you think anything is missing from this account. On, on January 7, 2023, at approximately 8.30 p.m., officers in the area of Rains Road and Ross Road attempted to make a traffic stop for reckless driving. As officers approached the driver of the vehicle, a confrontation occurred and the suspect fled the scene on foot. Officers pursued the suspect and again attempted to take the suspect into custody. While attempting to take the suspect into custody, another confrontation occurred. However, the suspect was ultimately apprehended. Afterward, the suspect complained of having a shortness of breath, at which time an ambulance was called to the scene. The suspect was transported to St. Francis Hospital in critical condition. What's missing from that account? You know, it's not that bad. The only thing that's missing is all of the important details, right? I mean, every important detail is excluded from that statement. That's shameful. It's like you go from, he was ultimately apprehended to, afterward, the suspect complained of having a shortness of breath. Yeah, after he was beaten to within an inch of his life and ultimately, fatally, he complained of shortness of breath. I'm not sure that that he was in a position to complain of anything at that point, for, for one thing. I mean, this is, this is so shameful and such an indictment of this police department that I wonder how they're going to recover their credibility with this community. So let's talk about some of the charges. Each officer was charged in the same number of counts, each of the five officers. The top count, second-degree murder. Does that fit here? Obviously, murder cases, when you talk about homicides, and we've discussed this before, the most difficult element almost always, is establishing state of mind. And it's different states of mind that lead to first-degree murder, second-degree murder, and, and the manslaughter charges. So here they'll have to prove that they knowingly took action that was very likely to result in death. That seems obvious on these facts and when you look at the videotape, but that will be where the defense will focus. And they will certainly have some argument about Mr. Nichols' resistance or something along those lines if they decide to defend these cases and not plead guilty. That would be, I think, the breaking point. Yeah, look, that's what one of the defenses was in the George Floyd murder, right? Derek Chauvin's lawyers suggested that 
there was something physically wrong with George Floyd, he was more vulnerable than you might have expected and that the defendant had any reason to expect. And the actions that caused the murder were exacerbated because of the physical, the prior physical condition or precondition of the victim. We don't know enough about Tyree Nichols to know what kind of arguments they could make along those lines. Those should fail, given what we see on the videotape. But I think you're right. That's where the arguments will take place. You know, it's interesting. The family has suggested that Mr. Nichols had celiac disease and that he had been very small. He'd had hard time keeping weight on his on his frame his whole life as a result of that. Two of the police officers, though, are former football players. They outweighed him. All five over 200 pounds. Yeah. And, and he's, you know. And Tyree I mean, was 145 pounds, I believe. It's just the visual image there, I think, is really painful, makes a defense difficult, drives home the reality that what happened here was very likely a murder. We have sometimes statutes that may apply in various situations that are somewhat awkwardly named and they don't they don't seem to fit a layperson's understanding of what the crime is. So here, there's a charge of aggravated kidnapping. How does that fit? Yeah, so this is a smart charge here. This is the same sort of argument that was brought in the Ahmad Arbery case in Georgia. Kidnapping doesn't require that you, you know, grab someone off the street and throw them in the trunk of your car and drive off with them. It requires that you restrain their freedom of movement. And so the argument here by prosecutors will be this was a bad stop. It was an unjustified stop. And he was restrained and wasn't permitted to leave. And this is an aggravated kidnapping charge. So because you have the death resulting, there's a pretty serious penalty. The maximum punishment under this statute is 30 years in custody. And I I think even if there's some sort of a defense on the murder charge, the kidnapping charge will be very strong. And then there are other lesser charges that have lower maximum penalties. There are two Class E felonies with maximums of six years, which look by their title to fit. One is official misconduct and the other is official oppression, which I don't know how many states have a law that's named official oppression, but it looks like it fits the facts and circumstances here pretty well. The statute reads, a public servant acting under color of office or employment commits an offense who intentionally denies or impedes another in the exercise or enjoyment of any right, privilege, power, or immunity when the public servant knows the conduct is unlawful. So that's really similar to the federal statute, which involves police officers acting under color of law and violating people's civil rights when they do that, the federal statute carries a much longer punishment. It carries a punishment when a murder takes place or when a killing takes place of up to life in prison or even the death penalty, which I think DOJ is currently not seeking. So if a federal charge follows this one, it would have a much weightier sentencing possibility. So let's talk about that. The Department of Justice is doing an investigation. Do you think that they would just be focused on this incident or will they almost certainly be opening up a pattern and practice investigation of the entire thing? Thanks for listening. To hear the full episode, head to cafe.com slash insider and try out the membership for just $1 for one month. That's cafe.com slash insider. To the many of you who have chosen to join the Insider community, thank you for supporting our work.